Evening, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is having a blessed evening as we are. And before we get started, um, a very tragic event happened last weekend here in Oxford, Mississippi, where the death of one of um, the University of Mississippi student, um, Allie or Alexandria. Um, I just want. I know they probably won't see this, but um, our hearts go go out to the family of both the victim and the um, person accused of committing the crime because I know they're going through a great deal of pain right now. And no matter how angry we get or no matter the circumstances that lead up to us getting angry, the scripture says, be ye angry and sin not. It should never result in someone's death. So whenever you get angry, just sit back and think about it. Is this really going to matter to me three months down the line, six months down the line, a year down the line, to me to create such an heinous act towards somebody? Because that's that's death. There's no coming back from the natural death. Is and that's just so sad. So just sit back and think. Let the let the steam blow off. It was some more details that came out about that story that said why he committed it but there's still no no reason to that's no reason to commit such that see he just ended two lives right there hers and his um depending on how much time he gets because that's such a um, crazy act so our hearts definitely go out to them it's definitely a moment of sadness and it's just sad but we must move on and still try to spread the word of God. I hope he finds God because get God, gets filled with the Holy Ghost because that'll definitely um, help in his situation. And again, welcome. If you're new here, welcome to a program we like to call Joy in the Midst of the Storm. We'll be focusing on spreading the truth about God and dive into the more depths of the Bible where a lot of churches may not want to go and actually back up everything that we're saying with Scripture. So welcome again to Joy in the Midst of the Storm. And without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Minister Tony Banks. Thank you, Melvin. Um, something that uh, you were talking about, it brought something to my mind. Um, Dealing with a tragedy that happened here and one of many tragedies going on here in Oxford and many other places around the world, so much uh, death and theft and, and so many uh, things that we shouldn't do to one another. But I was thinking about, I was talking to a guy and he was talking about this prison ministry uh, that he's participated in before and he was telling me how how touching it was when they would go into prison and just how the inmates would respond to them. Talked about how some of them wouldn't say much, but uh, the people a part of this ministry, they would go in and tell the inmates their stories. And he just talked about how they would read a letter and how the inmates would just burst into tears and how a lot of them were willing to give their life over to Christ and so that's one thing to remember uh, as Christians even though we see people commit these things that we we know are wrong we know God is against those acts but God is also forgiving and hoping that people will change and so that's our prayer uh, for 
all of the families ever involved in any tragedy, because we've all been through tragedies. Uh, we've all had family, well, a lot of us have had family members taken away from us, but we're hoping that even those that did the crimes, we're hoping that these people would turn their life over to Christ because sometimes God has to get them in a position where they feel that nobody else is behind them. And that's, that's the uh, situation that one of the guys was telling me about. He was telling me how these people, they didn't have anybody else in their corner. I mean, they may have uh, robbed or killed or whatever the reason they were in prison, but we know when people do that, everybody turns against them. Everybody's saying, man, I hope they die. I hope somebody kills them, uh, whatever. And so God can reach a person in that state because they don't have anywhere to go. But God is still there with open arms saying he is willing to forgive that person if they change. And so that's what we're, we're praying for and hoping for is that people would change their lives and give them over to Christ. But uh, before we move any further, we just like to say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for yet another opportunity to study your word, to grow closer to you, Lord. As we've already mentioned, Lord, we're praying for uh, so many people who have went through so many tragedies, not only here in Oxford, but all around the world, Lord. We're praying for people's hearts, that you would mend them back together, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would heal us, make us whole, Lord, that through all of the uh, storm, Lord, that we would see the joy, we would see the light at the end of the tunnel, we would see you, Lord. Through it all, Lord, we're praying that you just open our eyes to your truth and that you just restore us and heal us, Lord. We pray this and many other blessings, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So one of the things that uh, we're going to discuss tonight uh, is wrestling with God. And now we find this story in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. Uh, and we're going to start uh, at verse 24. But here to save us some time, because we do a lot of reading <laughs> on this broadcast sometimes, and which we still have a good amount of reading to do tonight. But to save us some time, Jacob here has uh, spent some time at his father-in-law uh, Laban's house, working for Laban, and he worked seven years for his wife, Rachel, of which his father-in-law deceived him and gave him Leah. So he then works another seven. And so he spent over 14 years at his father-in-law's house. I think it was 20 to be exact, but he spent over 14 years. And so now he has left his father-in-law's house and now he's going back home and he knows he has to face his brother Esau. Esau was his brother twin, they're twins. Esau was his brother who with the help of their mom, they tricked uh, <clears throat> Isaac into giving the blessing to Jacob. And so Jacob knows that after all this time, he hadn't seen his brother, and he's expecting his brother to be upset with him. So he's devised this plan, and the plan is to appease Esau and kind of lighten the burden 
So Jacob comes up with this plan to uh, kind of persuade his brother to not be violent towards him, to to still love him. His plan is to separate his family. Um, he has two wives and um, 12 children. And so his plan is to separate his wives, separate his family, and separate his livestock. He's going to give these gifts to his brother. So he's got everything situated for the night. And that's where we're going to pick up Jacob in verse 24. In verse 24, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, he's left by himself. But somebody intervenes and he wrestled with him until the sunrise. Let, let's read that next one. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, we're going to take our time here because I hope somebody can understand just what this is. What we see here is God presenting himself in the human form, coming down here, wrestling with Jacob. The Bible says nobody can see the face of God and live. That's why he did it at night. <laughs> nobody can look God face to face. No man can do that and live. So he did it at night. And we'll see that uh, in verse 22 where he says, and he rose up that night. Where It's at nighttime. So God approaches him in flesh now. Or if you'd like to call it an angel, we can call it however you want to put it. Uh, so he wrestles with him. And now in verse 25, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, who is a match for God? Who can stand God face to face? Who can who can wrestle now? We, uh, I, I have friends that, that like to do uh, UFC and jujitsu and all these types of uh, forms of fighting. Now, we can go up against each other, but nobody is a match for God. And that's what we see here. And he, he touched the hollow of his thigh. God touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. God didn't have to do nothing but touch his thigh. He, he let him know who he was. If you see somebody simply touch you and they pop your bones out of joint, <laughs> Jacob wasn't foolish. He, he understood, man, this, this is more than a mere man. This is way more than a man for him to touch me and my bones have went out of joint. <laughs> so read that verse again, Melvin, verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of, the, of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. He couldn't do nothing with him. But he is now he's wrestling with God Almighty here. But again, God is presenting himself in the flesh, presenting himself in a human body, just as angels. Angels. He sends angels here. They come in a human body. Same thing. But let's move to 26. And he said, let me go for the daybreak. Now, this God talking now, the same one that just touched him. And knocked his bone out of joint. The same one. God said, let me go. Now, he didn't have to say that. Because he already demonstrated his power. 
I'm reminded of when they came to take uh, to take Jesus, and they asked him. Uh, they asked him uh, who he was. They said Jesus of Nazareth. We looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He said, "I am He." And I and I'm reminded of how, as soon as he said it, they all fell to the ground backwards, knocked him on their backside, demonstrating his power. But even in the demonstration of his power, he still shows his humility. So here we see God. God said, look, let me go for the daybreaker because no man can look on him and live. He said, he got to get out of here. They were wrestling at night. He said, the sun is coming up. He looking out for Jacob. He don't even know it. The sun is coming up. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Jacob held on. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go. Now, this man here is holding on to God. Even though he's in a very uncomfortable position, his thigh is out of place. His thigh is out of place, but he is still holding on to God. And he said, I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. Is that not what we're looking for? Is that not what we're looking for? What we're looking for today is for God to bless us. But are you willing to hold on for the blessing? Are we willing? See, God is going to put us in some uncomfortable position. That's what I'm saying. Jacob was in a very uncomfortable position because when your, <laughs> if you ever had any bone come out of his socket, it don't feel good. No. <laughs> if you ever looked at somebody whose shoulder has come out of place, they, they stuck. They don't want anybody to touch it. Oh, I, I can't move. Jacob's thigh is out of place, but he is still holding on to God. So the question becomes, are we willing to hold on to God so that he can bless us? And he's showing us that's what this happened for, to show us even though we want something from God, we still have to hold on to him. We have to. We're going to go through some things. He told us. If we do the things that he tells us to do, persecution is going to come. Trials and tribulations are going to come. And all of that is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be pain. Just as Jacob went through some physical pain, God is trying to show us, if you truly want the blessing that you say you want from God now, if we want to get it his way, we're going to have to hold on. Hold on for the blessing. So Jacob here now, this is God talking. God said, let me go. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm, I'm seeking something from you, Lord, and I'm, I'm going to hope. That's what this is trying to show us. I'm holding on to you until, for you to bless me. That's what I'm doing this for, so you can bless me. Let's keep going, Melvin, in 27. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, and, oh. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He asked, now this is the Lord Almighty. He asked him, what is your name? And Jacob responded with Jacob. All right. And he said, that name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Who has power to change? God has been changing names <laughs> throughout time. 
we see here how God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Same thing he did to his father, Abraham, grandfather. He said his name was Abram at first, and God told him, your name is no longer going to be Abram. It's going to be Abraham. Same thing to Sarah, where her name originally was Sarai. He said, your name is no longer that. Your name is Sarah now. So we see the same God doing the same thing here. He changes his name. All right. Uh, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed mm -hmm. and Jacob asked him and said tell me I pray thee thy name Jacob said I want to know your name now <laughs> it wasn't time for his name to be revealed see when Moses Moses asked about the name on the mountain he asked about the name and God said I am that I am he didn't tell him his name it wasn't time but when Jesus Christ came that was a revelation Somebody didn't catch that. He revealed the name. When when it was time for Jesus to be born, he finally revealed the name. So here he said, Jacob said, all right, you asked me for my name. I want you to tell me what your name is now. Mm -hmm. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. He said, why are you asking for my name? He didn't tell him the name. He just blessed him. So Jacob got what he wanted. He held on for the blessing. So again, we all say we want to be blessed of God. But are we willing to hold on through the trying times to receive that blessing? A lot of stuff that God tells us to do, we look at it and say, man, well, I just don't understand why God telling me to do this. Why would he instruct us to do this? Hey, somebody said, ain't no way in the world God told us to do that. I know <laughs> somebody is crazy if they said God tell us to do that. But that's the way God operates. He is going to put us in a position that is going to make us uncomfortable. Sometimes the pain is going to seem unbearable. And again, that's where Jacob found himself. He found himself with his thigh out of place. But yet and still, through that pain, he found the strength to hold on and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me here today. I want to be blessed, God. And so, are we holding on for that blessing? Or as soon as a hard time comes, we say, man, God don't love me. I knew I shouldn't have did this because God let me down. And we find ourselves angry at God a lot of times. But I want to move on to Mark, the 10th chapter. And we'll start at verse 17. But we're talking about wrestling with God. Are you going to hold on to him? Are we going to hold on for the blessing that we've been trying so hard to receive? Or are we going to let go? Are we going to let go of him? And God is his word. Are we going to hold on to what his word said? God is not slack. Concerning his promise, he will do everything he said he's going to do. But will we fulfill our end? Will we hold on to our end of the bargain? So we're going to switch now to Mark, the 10th chapter, and we'll start at verse 17. 
All right, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, here we have Jesus. He's out here performing miracles left and right. So his name has been spread. He, is, he now has a fame about him. So someone comes to him and says, Good master, what must I do? How shall I inherit eternal life? Jesus told us, he said, he is coming so that we'd have life and that more abundantly. When we have something abundantly, that makes you rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. God, God does not want his people to live in poverty. We are. But God did not intend for us to live in poverty. Jesus came, though he was rich, he made himself poor to show us how to get out of poverty. So God does not want his people to be poor. So let's keep going to see how this story goes. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. What you trying to call him, God? <laughs> was this man trying to call Jesus God? We're not going to get into that. Let's keep going. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. So Jesus tells him, now we're in a time period where they were under the law. So he tells the man, he said, keep the law. If you want eternal life, keep the law. Now, this is when Jesus was living. Obviously, after his death, we're no longer under the law. But so, during that time, he tells him, keep the law. You know what the law says. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. He said, I already know these things. We say that all the time. Yeah, I know. Somebody said, you should be doing this. They said, I know. That don't mean they're doing it, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know I'm supposed to be doing this. <laughs> but... That doesn't mean he was doing it. He said, I, I know. I, I know what the law says. But let's keep going. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, he told him to do something here. He said, there's one thing you're lacking. There's something you have left undone. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, so that you will have treasure in heaven. Take up your cross and follow me, because it takes him to deny himself to do this. He has to deny himself. That's what the cross represents. Death, denial. You not, you not giving in to what you want, but the betterment of what God wants. For you, because really what God wants for us is for all of us to be equal, for all of us to be treated fairly, for all of us to be rich, not for one of us to be rich and the other is poor. That's not God. Jesus did not live this lavish life, but his apostles were poor. Whatever they had, he had. That's the life that Jesus showed us how to live. But today we have the mindset to say, 
Well, I work for mine, so if they ain't got nothing, then that's on them. But where is the love in that? Where is the love in that if we say, that's my sister or my brother? We're all born again Christians. Where is the love in that for me to look at somebody that I say I love and they're scuffling, struggling week in and week out? But me, I'm happy. There was, uh, I remember this uh, one time when I was at my job, uh, a lady came there and she asked if we had some scrap wood. And I told her, yeah, we had some around back. And I wasn't sure what she was doing, but she came back up there after she had looked at the wood and she said, yeah, I see some, uh, but there's a lot of nails in it. And I'm trying to build this bed. And so I was like, yeah, I can come help you. And so we're pulling the nails out. And she just, and I began to ask questions uh, because she said she was tired of sleeping on the floor. And this was an older lady. And so I, I could just feel and sense some of the pain behind the words that she was saying. So I began asking about her children and uh, where were they and how, why, trying to see why they couldn't help her build this bed. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, you would just think that a, a person's children, a person's child or their children would love to help their mother, you know, sleep well at night. I mean, we all want that for our family, especially our mother who's taking care of us. And so she just began to break down and cry and talk about how they didn't live here and, and for whatever reason that she just was, had been sleeping on the floor. And so it hurt me because when I think about it, Tony can go home and sleep in a bed. Tony, didn't, Tony doesn't have to sleep on the floor. Tony can go home and sleep inside of his house where you have air conditioning and uh, a heating unit. And so... The love of God in me, I can't say, well, that's her problem. I mean, she better figure it out for herself. That's not something Jesus would have said. And so if we look at ourselves and say, man, I see these people struggling. How can I help them? So many of us today, we're so focused on prayer. And I'm not saying prayer is not a good thing, but I know we have people, uh, we'll go all around town, all across the world, and say, I'm going out here, we're going to pray for this person. But the scripture says, look, if you see your brother or sister have need of something, and all you tell them is, look, we're going to pray for you. I, I know you need a jacket, but look, we're going to pray that God warms you up. You know what will warm that person up? Is if you get a jacket and put on their back. You get a shirt, a sweater, and put on their back. Those are the things that we don't want to do. But when we read about Jesus, it said all that he began to both do and teach. Jesus did for people. But today, all we do is talk to people. We say, I'm going to pray for you. Man, I know God's going to work in your behalf, man. Melvin, I, I really hope God does some wonderful things in your life. But when it comes time for me to do, when I clearly see it's stuff that we need to, to, 
to share with each other. I said, I can't do that now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. I love you, but I don't love you that much, man. You got to do something for yourself. But that's not God. And so that's what God is trying to tell us to do is love each other, help each other. It's not enough to, he said, don't love in word and tongue. Don't just talk love because that's what we do. We talk it all the time. He said, love in deeds. Do something for people. Love in truth. Be honest with them. Tell them the truth. Let's keep going, Melvin. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Now, Jesus told this man, he said, you a rich man, sell everything you have and give to the poor. So this man was sad because he looked at how much he had and he decided he was not willing to lose that stuff. But he doesn't understand the scriptures because the scripture says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. God wants to make you rich. He does. In his own way, the way he decided he wants us to be rich, not the way we decide. Some of us say, well, I'm going to go out and do this myself. I'm going to go make myself rich. That's not what God wants, because he wants us to be truly depending on him, because through that process, he's going to make you a whole lot of uncomfortable. That's true. <laughs> he's going to make you a whole lot of uncomfortable to see if you're going to hold on for the blessing he already promised you. And the scriptures cannot lie. The scriptures cannot come back to him void. His word cannot be void. If he promised us a blessing, he's going to do it. So just as Jacob, Jacob was mighty uncomfortable. And I know he had to be in some kind of pain for his thigh to be out of place. And all, all God had to do was just put his hand on him. He didn't have to bend him and break his thigh out. All he had to do was touch him. He, Jacob knew who he was. He knew who he was. Because after he said, I've seen God face to face. He knew who he was. But God put Jacob in a position that it was uncomfortable. It hurt. There was some pain. But that pain was temporary because Jacob held on and he then received the blessing. God blessed him right there. He received the blessing. So now we fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus tells us how to receive the blessing. He's showing us right. He's telling us right now what he wants us to do to receive the blessing. Somebody, when God puts their thigh out of place, somebody's going to tap out. Somebody's going to say, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Just like this rich man here said, I, I can't do that. He didn't hold on to God. God has put this man in an uncomfortable position and un it's unfamiliar territory right now. And so this man, he was sad. Let's keep going, Melvin. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? How hardly is going to be hard for rich for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And somebody say, Well, the rich people, that's just people with a million dollars. 
$2 million, $5 million. Somebody said that's rich. But us in the United States especially, but I know it's people all over the world, but look at how many uh, luxurious things that we possess. We have running water. Jesus and them didn't even have running water. They didn't have electricity. Jesus never plugged his light into the wall, a lamp into the wall, and, and hit the switch. Jesus didn't do that. So just look at how much more stuff that we have, even though we think we're not rich. I, <laughs> I would consider us rich, to be honest. We may not have, uh, all of us may not have a million dollars, but look at how many of these things that we take for granted that we have. Right now, if our lights go out, God forbid our lights go out for a few hours, somebody ain't going to be able to survive. Somebody said, man, it was so hot in that house, I was sweating everywhere, I, I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't survive because the lights were out. So, so many subtle, small things make us uncomfortable because we've gotten used to luxury. We've gotten used to, so, we've gotten used to air condition. They, they didn't have air condition then. But we have gotten used to all of these things, and it's good that we have them. But will we trust in these things, or will we put our trust in God? Uh, let's let's go down to 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto him, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? He said, You can't trust in it. All right. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. All things are possible. Mm -hmm. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Have we left all? That's what Jesus told this man to do. The, the young man that came to him, he said, You got to leave it all. Take up your cross and follow me. Peter said, Look, Jesus, we've left it all. Peter was a fisherman. He he put that fishing pole down to follow Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Matthew was a tax collector. He put that down to follow Jesus. All of them had their own agendas, their own life. They all were living their best life before they came <laughs> to Jesus. And so now, Peter said, look, we have done it. What you just told that man to do, we've done that. That's what we've been doing. Uh-huh. Then Peter, uh, and Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath loved house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake in the Gospels. Jesus told the, the rich man to leave everything he had. He said, leave it. Jesus here is going to talk about what we left versus what we're going to gain. 
So in 29 is the verse where he talks about what we would leave. He said, look, you left house, your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your land for my sake in the gospel. You left those things if they were not trying to do God's will. You had to make a decision if you were going to continue to hold on to God or if you were going to let him go and choose those things. But look at what he said we should receive. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. A blessing. A hundredfold right now. He didn't say you were going to get I heard a preacher talking about pie in the sky. <laughs> he wasn't talking about you were going to receive all of your blessings in heaven. He said you're going to receive this right now. God has blessings. And again, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. God's blessing is riches. That's not all of his blessing now. But a part of God's blessing is going to be rich riches. Physically, spiritually. There's so many things that comes with the blessings of God. But he said there's going to be blessings in this time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Guaranteed, if you do what Jesus told the rich man to do, he said, you're going to receive blessings in this time. Somebody said, I never had a brother. I never had a sister. He said, you're going to gain Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution. You're going to receive all of these things in Christ. You're going to receive all of these blessings and so much more that he didn't even put in here. But notice the persecutions are going to come. The hard times are going to come. People are going to say you're crazy. <laughs> As we see with Jacob wrestling with God, hard times came on him, even in that moment. He went through pain. Even in that even in that moment, he went through pain. So again, once we do what Christ tells us to do, hard times are going to come. He told us uh, the gates of hell. It's not going to prevail. He didn't, he didn't say it wasn't going to come against you, though. It's still, things are still not going to go your way all the time. But every single time it's going to work out. So he said, if you do what he said, you will be blessed in this life and the next life. So why would I not hold on to this blessing? How, why would I not hold on to God to receive the blessing? Because, again, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. So, once <laughs> we all said we want a blessing from God until we find out what he wants us to go through for us to receive. Everybody say, yeah, I want to be blessed. Until God starts putting down, 
what he wants from us, and we we leave just like the rich man. We said, no we way. We all want a miracle, <laughs> but don't want to be put into a position to receive a miracle. He said, no way. This can't be God talking to me. <clears throat> so he said, we'll receive 100-fold in this life right now and in the next life. He ain't even got to the next life. He, he's not even talking about the next life. He's talking about this life right now. The earth is the Lord, uh, the fullness thereof, and all that all they that dwell therein. So if God owns all this already, why would he not give it to his children? But he is not going to give something to us if we're not in the position to, to use it correctly. God's not going to give something to Tony and I'm selfish. And all I think about is me, me, me. Why would God? Why would God give me something? Because we say we're about each other and love and God. And so He said, if we love Him, keep His commandments, love our neighbor as ourselves, esteem others better than us, esteem others over us. So, at what point will we do that? And when we do, we can receive a blessing. If I have my hand, if I have my hand open, I can receive something. But now that something is in my hand, I can't receive nothing else. If I try to stack something else on here, eventually I can't do it. My hand is full. But if I receive something from God and I say, I'm going to share this with my sisters and brothers in God now, God can put something else in my hand. And that's how God operates. He's seeing if we can share with each other, if we can truly love each other the way we say we will. Let's flip over uh, to Acts, the second chapter, and we're going to move um, after this. We're going to go back to Genesis. Um, Acts, the second chapter. Verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. What are we talking about in the church here? We're talking about in the church. All that believed, they were together. And they had everything. They had all of the blessing that God promised them. So if we were to get ourselves in the position today and say, we're going to do this together, we'll have the blessings that God promised us also. They all were together and they had all things coming. Now, these are the same people that Jesus was just talking to. He was talking to the, uh, the 12, which the 11, well, 12 at the time, but Judas obviously killed himself. So the 11 are still here. They heard what Jesus said, and they did it. Look at 45. And sold their possessions and goods. They sold their possessions and goods. Did Jesus not tell the rich man, go and sell what you have? He told them to do that. And so the disciples, they said, all right, we're going to do it. So they sold their possessions and goods. And parted them to all men, as every man had need. They said, we're going to love each other. <laughs> They said, we're going to do this thing right. Even though this was not something that they were used to. They said, even though this condition was 
something foreign, something they they had not known, a way of life that they had not known. God took them away that they knew not, just like he did the children of Israel. Uh, he took them away that they didn't know. And that's what God's going to do to us. He's going to take us away that we say, I just don't see how this is going to even work. He's going to make us uncomfortable. But will you hold on for the blessing? The blessing that God so desperately wants to give to us. Because we are his. We are heirs. A king gives his blessing down to his son. And Jesus is the king. He wants to give this. He wants to give us this blessing. So let's go back. We're going to go back to Genesis, the 32nd chapter. <clears throat> um, so let's, let's go back to 29. Actually, let's go back to. Uh, yeah, let's go to 29. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob received the blessing because he was persistent. He continued to hold on to God. And that's all that's all we have to do today. We have to endure to the end. We have to continue to hold on to the word of God. Alright? And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. He knew who he was. Jacob knew who he was. He knew when God touched his thigh and popped his bone out of joint by a mere touch, he knew. He, knew, he said, man, this ain't no man here. This is no regular man here. So he said, look, I've seen God. And God has blessed me. And God blessed him because he held on. So today, will you hold on to God? Will you hold on to his word? When times get tough now, that's that's the difference. We can all hold on to God when everything sounds good. When everything's easy going. When, when skies are sunny. <laughs> it's feeling good outside. We got a nice cool breeze. It's easy to hold on to God through that. When that is going on, but when the storm comes, when it starts to rain on us, when it's hard to see, that's when we say, man, I, I'm going to have to do this on my own because it seems like God, he just ain't on my side no more. But if God be for you, who can be against you? So that's what this is about, holding on. To receive the blessing from God. The same way Jacob held on. Even when he was no match. He, he knew he couldn't. He knew he was no match for God. But he decided to hold on. Because his persistence. His determination. His drive. His will. It was going to pay off in the end. And it will for us too. If we just make up our mind today, no matter who decides they're not going to follow God, no matter who says I'm crazy, no matter who says this is ludicrous, no matter what anyone says, if we make up our minds and say, I'm going to hold on, God's going to bless you in the end. 
He's not going to give you the blessing before he puts you through situations. He he grows your faith. He he grows the relationship between you and him. God's not going to give you the blessing before that. He'll tell you he's going to bless you because he's told all the people throughout time. He said, I'm going to bless you. But they had to go through something. And so today... I know people are telling everybody out there, look, God's going to bless you. He's going to do so much for you. But he's going to take you through something. So, friend, just hold on because the blessing is coming. Because the scripture cannot lie. The scripture cannot lie. And the scripture cannot be broken. Sister Betty says amen. Praise amen. the Lord, Sister Betty. So that's that's really what I wanted to cover. Um, I can sit here and <laughs> talk for a long time, but um, that's really uh, what what I wanted to talk about. Just holding on to God, holding on to His Word, so that we can receive the blessing, just as um, Jacob did. And actually. So we see God. I want to go ahead and look at look at how it ended. So we see God. God blessed him. He he told him he was going to be blessed. Everything was going to be okay. Uh oh, we got something. I was going to let you finish that. Go ahead. But um, Sharon says I felt like this last week, like you was all alone and was like, where's God when I need him the most? But right at that point, when I was ready to throw in the towel, my God showed up and showed out. He didn't let me fall. I held on to his unchanging hand, and he came through for me. Even though I went through it, he brought me out, out of it on top. Amen. Surely will. Glory to God. See, he has to bring you through things so that we can depend on him. And once our faith and our trust is fully established in him, he will reward us for it. He will reward those who diligently seek him. So, amen, I'm glad that you were able to get out of it, Shannon. It'll happen every time. As long as you're obedient, it'll definitely happen. He'll definitely do it for you. Because, like Tony said earlier, his word will not come back to him void. Everything, every single word, every single period, every single question mark in Scripture, it will come to pass. No matter who believes it or who doesn't. No matter what side. See, people, don't. no matter what side they're on, they're fulfilling Scripture. Mm -hmm. No matter what side. So... Amen again to that, Sharon. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I'm definitely glad everything worked out for you also. Because times will get tough. But it makes it so rewarding. After you went through something and then finally stuff looks bright and things work out, you have that joy in the midst of the Man, it, it means something when you went through something and then finally you see how it worked out. He said, man, I, I never would have thought it would happen like that. And that brings me back to like, um, I think it's, I believe it's Acts chapter 5, when the apostles got locked up. And after they got released, they were jumping in joy. They counted it joy that they were able to suffer in the mm -hmm. name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. They were happy to go through all those trials and tribulations for Jesus. That's why it says rejoice through your trials and tribulations. Rejoice, count it all joy. And I just look at how us today, we get upset at the most in minor at the most minor inconveniences we we just it's just crazy how upset that we get and then we call ourselves you know true followers of god true apostles true believers of god 
though they counted it all joy no matter what they they've gone through they didn't complain or anything like that they were happy to do it for the name of Jesus and that's we have to have the same mentality not saying that we're going to get stoned or beat up and locked up in prison but as we just read in, in Mark chapter 10 he's going to give us all the good stuff but he said also with persecutions mm -hmm. we are the anomalies of this world I'm pretty sure there are people out here that watched our videos and said, man, these people are crazy. What are they talking about? Because it's so unfamiliar to them. Yep. It's something that they don't know. That it's something that they're not used to. But that's what the true word of God is. It's a two-edged sword. And it, it will prick some hearts. And a lot of people are scared to tell the absolute truth mm -hmm. because they'll, they'll lose members. They'll have people stop listening to them. But Jesus did say that my sheep will hear my voice. So if... A million people don't listen to you there's going to be one person that does and that one person it will make it so worthwhile mm -hmm. so again I'm glad that you got through that Sharon um, I'm very very glad definitely and keep holding on to God um, but I, let's go to the 33rd chapter to see how this story played out uh, we can start at verse 1, but I'll probably skip down. Uh, but in the 32nd chapter, uh, we didn't read it, but before we go to the 33rd, uh, Jacob in, 30 sec, in the 32nd chapter, verse 6, it says, And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and 400 men with him. So, when he seen, when he heard that it was 400 people coming to meet him, he just knew. He knew he was in trouble. He said, man, Esau is coming to get me. But let's, uh, let's see Sharon <laughs> says something. Sharon says, even my 15-year-old 15 15 year daughter looked at me one night and said, Mama, God has never left us. And she was correct. And when a child can see God working, how, how can we not rejoice and have faith in his word? Absolutely. Sometimes the circumstance blinds us, and sometimes it's like, man, you. It's it's amazing how when God takes us through something new, we completely forget about what He's been taking us through, and we only start looking at, man, I can't believe I'm going through this. But He has to remind us that He is still God, and He's still able, and He still is going to bring us through whatever uh, circumstance it is. But it, it's definitely uh, good to see when uh, someone, a, a young child who, who isn't even as strong as we are, sometimes they can see it and they're like, man, what, what's wrong with you? Like, why you, why you can't see this? Like, you know God's been here for us. So, man, that, that's, that's amazing. I'll let you go ahead, Mel. No, oh, I, I don't have anything else. Just an amen. Okay. But uh, we'll look at... Sharon might say something, but Sharon, feel free to say something whenever. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll look at the thirty-third chapter, uh, verse one. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men, and he divided the children unto Leah, and unto Rachel, uh, Leah, and unto Rachel, and unto the two handsmaids. Mm -hmm. And he put them handmaids 
And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. Now, his plan was if Esau is going to kill some of his family or his flock, he was going to put the ones in the front who he would be the least amount of sorrowful about. Leah, he he did not even plan to even marry Leah. So he put his uh, wife that he actually dis wanted to marry, Rachel, he put her furthest in the back, which anyone would have done uh, what he did here. But so he, he's divided his family and his uh, animals into uh, different groups to see how Esau is going to respond. And also he gave, he was plan to give Esau a present, a gift, to kind of be a peace offering, to kind of make uh, Esau accept him. Verse 3, And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Now, he was afraid that his brother was going to kill him. But God he is held on to God's word. He he truly thought he was going to be in trouble with his brother. He knew he was no match for his brother. Especially when he found out he had 400 soldiers coming. But look at God. God will change people's mind. Now, I don't know if Esau was planning to uh, hurt Jacob before all this or not. But I know God will change someone's mind. He'll change someone's heart. Because in the end, God is in control. He has the power to touch someone, to get someone to see that what they're going to do or what they're about to do is wrong. That's God. Yes, he definitely has to show us ourselves. So drop down to verse 8. And he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, Those are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. He said, Why you why you what's all this what's all these things you presented before me? Now he's talking about the gifts. He's again he separated uh his animals, separated them into uh different groups, put one in the front, and then a little a little ways after that he put another group back there. So that each time <laughs> Each time Esau walk up, he said, what's this? They said, oh, this is for you. Your Lord, uh, your servant, uh, Jacob, he, he gave this to you. And he walked a little bit further. He wanted Esau to uh, see another group. He said, what, what's this? He said, oh, this is for you. So he's ex that's what he's hoping will save him. But Esau said, man, what is all this you put out here? What, what's going on here? And Jacob said, look. I did this to find grace in your sight, to find favor, so that you would come to me in peace. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. Esau said, you don't have to give me nothing, man. You don't have to give me nothing. Now look at God. That's what God will do. Jacob, now this man, no doubt he couldn't even sleep at night. He spent so much, I guarantee, because the night before, it took him to the night to separate all the people. 
And finally, when he found himself alone, that's when God came to wrestle with him. So this has been driving, this has been stressful on him. This has been a hard time. He is, he's just left his father-in-law who's been deceiving him, tricking him for about 20 years. And so now he's coming back and he has to face his brother. And he's thinking, man, he may kill me. He may kill my family, my wives, my children. What Jacob has just worked 20 years for, it could all go down the drain. And Esau came in peace. He said, man, you don't have to give me nothing. You keep, keep everything you got. You don't, you don't have to give me anything. I got enough. Now, what, what person says that? <laughs> Who says, man, look at all these cattle. Look at all these servants. I, mean, I don't need any of that. Who says that? If somebody, if you have a family member and you hadn't seen them in 20 years and they have uh, so many cars and, and so many couches and, and furniture and, and, and they're trying to give it to you. Who's saying, I don't need any of that. I got enough stuff already. You keep what you got. Who's saying that? You cannot tell me this isn't God. So God spared him. God told he already he blessed him the night before. So we see that coming to effect now. He had peace with his brother. Somebody he thought that was going to kill him. Especially when he heard he was coming with 400 people. So we see how holding on to God will end with us receiving the blessing. But only if we hold on. Jacob could have let go. He could have easily let go. But if we hold on, if we endure to the end, we'll be blessed. If we hold on to the end, we'll be delivered. That's all salvation is, deliverance. And God delivered Jacob out of the hands of his brother. He delivered him so that his brother wouldn't be angry with him. You like you got something to say, man. <laughs> you must be done. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I don't really have anything to add. As always, you hit the nail on the head with the message tonight. It was great. And hopefully a lot of people, whether they watch it now or listen to it later, get something from that. So how long will you hold on for the blessing of God? Because we all want to, we all want to be blessed. Mm -hmm. And if anybody has any questions, feel free to, to send them anytime. And that's whether we're live, whether we're on a different topic. If you have a question about anything, or if you even definitely. if you disagree with anything that we say, definitely um, we can get to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. So, again, how long will we hold on for God's blessing? In Revelation, Jesus is standing out at our door knocking. He wants to give us all of these things, but, but we have to open the door and let him in. When will it? When will we? How do we get the blessings of God? Well, I'll ask my same two questions as I asked every day, well, every week that we're on that we're on live, and same questions that your pastor should be asking you. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name, and have you been filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues? As we've mentioned plenty of times in our in all of our live streams, we hit on that those two things because they are so important. Well, everything, every word is important to God, but those two are essential 
because we have to understand what these scriptures are saying. And we won't understand it until we do those two things. And even after we do those two things, it will still take a lot of studying and reading his word to understand it. But if we don't have those two things, there's not even a chance. That's 100% accurate. 100% the word of God in John chapter 3. So again, have you been baptized in Jesus' name and received the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues? And if not, that can happen right now, right tonight. No, no sense of waiting on it. You never know when your last day is. You know, on that point, you know, God tells us to do something. He told us to be baptized in his name, to get the Holy Ghost. We put that off. Yep. But now, I've noticed, working on jobs, when the boss tells somebody to do something, boy, people running. Somebody thought I might come out of place because they running so fast <laughs> trying to do what he said do. He said, oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm getting on it right now. But if God says it, we take our time, boy. We take our time. We say, well, we'll, we'll get, I'm going to get to it when I get ready. God, he, he going to wait. But the boss, we respect them way more than we respect God. Now, we won't say that with our mouth. But our actions show it. God knows what's in your heart. You say it all the time. He I do. know my heart. He know, he know, he know <laughs> your heart ain't right. <laughs> because if he says do something, we say, well, everybody ain't going to do it. So I don't have to do it. Everybody going to mess up. So so what if I keep messing up? But these are the excuses that the devil wants us to use. I remember. I know at least with my mom and a lot of other people's moms too, I remember we would do poorly on the test. <laughs> and then our mom say, all right, now why you, why you made this bad grade? And then I know this is my excuse a lot. And I say, but mama, everybody did bad on that test. Then <laughs> yeah, well, my mama, she say, you ain't everybody. Uh, I'm not taking that. God's going to be the same way on judgment day. He's not going to be concerned with what everybody else is doing when he's on you at the time. <laughs> Somebody's excuse is going to be like, well, God, my mama did it. My daddy did it. Everybody else did it. So I thought it was cool. <laughs> You're not dumb, though. <laughs> oh, no. Like, Mama, I know she's going to be listening to this later. So <laughs> thank you for saying that. It definitely um, stuck with me. It definitely urged me to do better. <laughs> well, God's going to be like that same way. He's not going to be looking at what your mom or what your dad or what your sister, brother, cousin, whoever did. He's going to be looking at what you did. Mm-hmm. You know, one preacher told me, he said, look, God ain't going to even let you bring up somebody else's name. You, <laughs> it ain't gonna, he ain't going to even let it come out your mouth. You might try to say it, but it ain't going to work. Because we're fast to bring up somebody else and use them as an excuse for why we keep doing wrong. <laughs> I remember another funny story. Um, my ninth grade basketball coach was um, telling us a story about, like what you just said, other people making you do something. Um, he had a son, well, he's a much older now, obviously, but he was in um, grade school, like around third or fourth grade, and his son got in trouble for laughing. And of course, his son was excused, was, but daddy, he made me laugh. <laughs> and so his dad was like, you mean to tell me he had a remote control and had a button that says, make him laugh, and he pushed that button and made you laugh? Still got in trouble for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's the same way. Yeah. But, God, they made me sin. They made me do that, God. 
And it says, don't be a partaker in any other man's sin. It's not going to work. Much as we want it to be. It's not going to work. And the things he's telling us to do, they may seem like, they may seem like it's hard. They may seem like we won't like it. See, that's what stops a lot of people. God tells us to do something. They be like, I don't feel like I would like that. I don't feel like I would be comfortable. But if they do it, actually the way that he said it, they will grow to like it. Mm -hmm. And they will grow to be comfortable. We always look at the here and now. And God doesn't operate that way. He doesn't operate on our thoughts or our feelings. The scripture that says in Isaiah, I believe, his thoughts and his ways are, as far as heaven is above earth, so are his thoughts and his ways above ours. We, we, we don't understand God. We don't understand why he makes us go through the things that we go through. But if we hold on like Jacob did, now Israel, if we hold on and endure to the end, those who endure to the end will be saved. If we hold on, everything will become clear. But we have to be obedient. Why are we going through this? Why does this person have more money than me? Why are they living in a big mansion and I'm living in this rundown house? To stay obedient. Jesus was rich and made himself poor. To show us, as Tony said earlier, to show us the way out of it. And as um preacher I listen to says all the time, people all, all thinks this Bible talks about heaven, 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 heaven all the time. And how good it's going to be. Heaven starts on earth. This Bible talks about hell a lot too. <laughs> that start here too. It starts on earth as well. It's what we do right now. What we're doing right now decides what our eternity is going to be. And eternity is far too long for us to be getting it wrong here and now on earth. So that's why we have to make sure what we're studying is right. We have to make sure that we understand all of these scriptures. Like most churches nowadays, they'll read one or two verses and then proceed to give you a motivational speech. And that's, I've been to so many churches, amen, Sharon, that seems to be doing that. And as I say always, there's nothing wrong with being motivated. But hearing, this is your year. God's going to bless you with this new house, this new car in 30 days. Just send me this little $15 a month. Just just sow this seed. He's going to bless you. Hearing that, that is not, I'm, I'm sorry, that is not going to get me into heaven. But that's what people want to hear. They want to hear, you are an overcomer. Whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creature and everything is all roses and daisies. I mean, th that scripture is true. Those who are in Christ, they are a new creature. But how do you get in Christ? And they ain't they ain't doing nothing new either. They're not saying, how do you get in Christ? Christ has to be in you and you have to be in Christ. How do you do that? See, that's the stuff that's going to determine where our eternal resting place is. Not hearing this is your year, year after year, and it ain't been your year yet. <laughs> we listen to all these mega pastors that say, sow this seed, send this monthly price. God's going to bless you. What are you doing for me? Yes, you, you pray for me. What are you doing for me? That's why I like the book of James. It gets on people. You see somebody in need and you pray for them. It's like, let's just say it's winter. And they're out there homeless. I remember um, I was in Los Angeles last week. And um, and I'm pretty sure it's in a, a lot of places. A lot of people are under the bridge with nothing. And they ask you for something. And you, you have it to give. I'm not, I'm not saying if you don't have anything to give, then you have to go out and rob somebody and you know, give it to them. I'm not saying all of that. But you just say, I'm going to pray for you. Go, go be warm. Go be clothed. What is that doing for them? 
don't love in words, but love in deed and in, and in truth. Do something for them. Tell them the truth and everything. Tell them the truth, the true scripture, the true gospel. Or there's a verse in 1 Timothy that says there's going to be a time where people have itchy ears. They're only going to want to listen to what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. And that's what the our church has come to. Not all of them. The, the vast majority of them. So we have to make sure what we're listening to is directly from God uh, or directly from the scripture. And that's what we try to do. That is our goal. Week in, week out, we try to get on here and tell the true words of God and tell going deeper into the Bible and study what a lot of these churches don't do. And I'm not saying that all of them who teach a watered down gospel is trying to do you harm. That person may care for you a lot, but they just don't know that they're not teaching the whole truth. And those people are covered too, Hosea 4 and 6. People are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because they reject knowledge. So just because a person doesn't know about it doesn't mean that they're going to be covered. Because while they're on earth, they would have plenty of chances to get it right. <laughs> but yet, we want to do something else. Man, this game is on TV. I'd rather watch that I read when it's over. And then when the game goes off, they'd be like, man, not my favorite show on. I'll watch this and then I'll read. We always put it off. And God, I can't say when he will allow you and when he won't allow you to do that, but it's going to be a, a time is going to come to pass where it's going to be too late for you putting it off. And it's going to be so unfortunate. And another verse in Matthew chapter 6, I believe, it says, There are going to be many that say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I have did so many good things in your name. I have cast out devils. I have built buildings in your name. And he's going to say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I know you not. A lot of people are going to think they're going to be on the right track. Another verse says, There's going to be a way that seems right. But it's not. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 clearly says most people are going to be lost. But see, these are the verses that are not too much brought up. And, no, and when we bring them up, no, we're not trying to scare you into doing the right thing. We're just trying to make it be known. Because the true word of God is not being taught. It's not being taught like it should. So that's why we try to get out here and reach out to as many people as we can. And we know the vast majority of people are not going to listen. But as I say always, if one person listens, if one person gets baptized in Jesus' name, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, goes on to, into, into perfection in God's word, mm -hmm. then it's all worth it. And when we get on here preaching for 60, 70 years, if one person does it, it's all worth it. See, a lot of people look at, see, I know we only get maybe like, what, five, six, seven views on some videos sometimes. And so people people will look, look at that and take that into account. Man, they only have, what, two, three views on this video. They must not know what they're talking about. And then they see a mega pastor has seven, eight million views, and they say, man, now that's what I'm talking about. Let me watch this video. It's only 15 minutes, too. Look at these guys. They, they, they still be going on two hours sometimes. Who got time for that? They turn into Sweet Brown. Yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> But man, that, that's just when, because people are preaching what people want to hear. It's actually studies out and it's books to show people, like to show pastors what to say to increase their following. Don't be the truth. And this has been around for ages. It's a, 
like I said before, it's a um, pastor that was talking to a young minister who had hopes of becoming a preacher. And he said, make sure you're in a high income area and have a lot of people come to your church because the more money your congregation makes, the more money that's going into the church's bank account with tithes and offerings. <laughs> One pastor says, reverse Robin Hood. You steal <laughs> from the poor and give to the rich. <laughs> Man, so true. And I, I just wish that everybody could hear it and everybody would take heed. But there's some people that just won't. That won't do it. Tony was saying earlier, Jesus, come here right now and say to your face what you need to do. And you still won't do it. Because people didn't do it in the Bible. As much noise as we like to talk, like, for instance, with Noah and the, and the flood. People said, if I was back there, I would listen to him. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Because you are not even listening to us right now. We're trying to deliver the same message. Well, not as, of course, not exactly the same message, but the situation is the same. Jesus is coming back. And a lot of people, well, nobody on earth right now has seen Jesus come. Just like nobody on earth saw the rain and the flood back then. So they're saying we're crazy. Jesus ain't coming back. Jesus doesn't care what I do. And if they do believe Jesus died for our sins, if if we don't sin, he died for nothing. <laughs> what what are you saying? <laughs> and like Tony again was saying earlier, it's the people that don't really read, that don't like to study their Bible, yet they have the most to say about it. They can tell you everything in there, every single thing. And I'm like, man, how are you wanting to be the leader of some church, but you don't like to read the Bible? How are you going to deliver God's word when you don't understand what the scriptures are saying yourself? You can't because, for one, you've not done the essential things that he said due to where you can understand it. And a lot of us like to quote the Roman scripture. Oh, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Makes it seem like all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord, huh? <laughs> My friend, like a pastor say, you're reading somebody else's mail. Unless you've done the things that the original church in Acts did, then Romans through Revelation is not for you. You have to follow along Matthew through John, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then the book of Acts. Because the book of the churches of Romans all and the churches all the way through Revelations, they got saved in the book of Acts. So they had to follow, they had to get baptized in Jesus' name. They have to get the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And people say speaking in tongues is just gibberish. <laughs> My friend, <laughs> read the Bible. And a lot of people, they stop at those two things. Yes, those two things are right, but it's not all. <laughs> Later on in that in the in that um in Acts chapter 2, they have to continue on in, in the apostles' doctrine. A lot of churches around here call themselves apostolic. But are they doing what the apostles of Jesus did? That they continue in the apostles' doctrine. Are they, are they together? Do they believe? Once we do all of that, we are the true church of God. See, somebody joins it's like at the end of a lot of churches, they have a call to where people wants to join the church. But that's not how you truly join the church. And I'm happy to tell you that that's wrong. Because I'm happy to tell you the real, the actual truth. Read Acts chapter 2 and you'll see how you join the church. See, the church is not a building, as most people, or well, some people know. It's not brick and mortar because all that will perish. But it's the people. 
So are you going to be in the church, in, the, in your spiritual church? Because you can be in a building. I mean, it's fine to have church there, but that's not the actual church. The church is the people. That's what Jesus is coming back for. Story about that in the scripture where they built such a nice building for Jesus. And he said, it's not going to be a stone left unturned on this building. So we just have to take it back to the Bible. Stop putting God on the back burner. Because we all have done it. And because people um, um, might think that I'm getting on them. Like, I, I understand. I've been where you are. I never really wanted to read. I never wanted to go to church. And that's why I'm glad my parents made me go back at the time. I know Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Raise, train up a child in the way he should go. And, he's, and when he gets older, he shall not depart from it. So I'm glad that they raised me in the church, even though I didn't want to go. Because it leads me, mm -hmm. it led me to where I am now. And for a lot of people, it's going to take a lot of worse things to happen to them for them to actually wake up and see the severity of what they're doing. So, I see we may not have any questions. So, again, um, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. For those who, of you who've held on that long, we've gone on for about like an hour and 20 minutes now. A lot of people say that's too long. <laughs> Somebody said a preacher needs to be up there for 15 minutes max. For one, how are you going to put a timeline? A time limit on learning about God. Like, yeah, I'm going to learn about God, but 15 minutes, uh, that's my max right there, man. Once you, oh, man, I tell you. It gets, um, you know, frustrating, you know, sometimes trying to reach out to God because you care for people so much and you want all of them to be saved. But the scripture says that most people will be lost. The majority of the world is blinded by the God of this world, which is the devil. Uh, people don't know that, but that's why it's so important to read the Bible, to study it, study to sow yourself approved, study, study, study the Bible, and I'm going to end it there, so thank you for watching, and for our Facebook listeners, our Facebook watchers, these will be uploaded to your favorite podcast directory so that you can listen anytime and anywhere, and for our podcast listeners, um, go on Facebook, we are at JMS Bible is our Facebook page. It will be linked in the description. Uh, follow the page. We post a lot of updates. We post a lot of scriptures that we may not cover on here. And go give it a like. We go live every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. So we hope to see you there because um, it's a good thing that you listen to it on podcasts. But when you catch it live, you have the opportunity to ask questions and get live feedback, get live answers. And if you have any concerns, if you disagree with what we say, we're more than open to the disagreements because it challenges us to study more. And maybe we can help you see or you can help us see something. So we're not against anybody. We just want to bring out and spread the true word of God. So thank you to everyone. You don't know how much it means to me that you listened. Because it's a great feeling when somebody wants to learn about God. Because they're in the vast minority. And leaving it at there, uh, we have in-person Bible study on Tuesday at 6.30 for those of you in the Oxford, Mississippi area. You don't have to be a student or a member of the a faculty of the J.D. Williams Library to park on campus. You can just come in and we'll be more than happy to show you where the room are. Uh, we have people come to our Tuesday Bible studies and they thoroughly enjoy it. And we believe that you guys will too. So if that be all, thanks Sharon and um, Sister Betty for commenting. Thank you guys. Thank you for watching and we'll definitely see you guys Tuesday. And if not then, next Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Have a blessed night, everyone.